Welcome to Podcasts, recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. We have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its video podcast, you can donate online at cslportland.org slash donate. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living. Hi. Good to be here. Good to see you all. Have we heard words of truth this morning? Yes. Yes. And what's wonderful is every time we feel that truth, we are allowing its power to express itself so that the appearances can come into alignment with it. We're not telling God what to do. We're not even telling ourselves what to do. We are bringing that power that is that truth into this moment, into this experience, into this set of appearances now. The power comes through the word, to quote Emma. (laughs) Emma Hopkins, for those of you who don't know. And what allows that to happen is our deep down knowing, our feeling of the reality of that truth and not the appearance. Now, the last time I was here, I was telling you something about how to know what you believe. You may recall I said, look around you. (laughs) Look at your experiences. Look what's unfolding in your life. Look at what you have experienced as meaningful or powerful or any number of other qualities you might bring to it. That's what we have faith in. And if those experiences aren't quite heavenly, oh dear. It means that our faith is not in the truth, because truth and heaven are one and the same. Truth and wisdom are one and the same. Truth and love and life and well-being in all of its dimensions, that is one beingness. That is us. Uh Uh-oh, we don't have faith in us. (laughs) Ow. to the extent that our life isn't heavenly. And those moments where life is heavenly, where life is just, oh, the temperature is perfect and the air feels great and the the people are fabulous and the food is so good. (laughs) And the flowers are glowing and the music is wonderful. 
that's when we literally are living our faith in our true selves, in truth. <sighs> but life is up and down. So how do we begin to bring that awareness that is truth into our experience continually? Because that's really what we're here to learn how to do, yeah? That's why CSL exists. <laughs> to facilitate each of us becoming the being that experiences heaven on earth. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As it is. Not parallel, but in one and the same. And in the end of that very same book, there is this description of how the old experience we've called earth passes away and the new experience we call heaven comes in and heaven and earth are one. This is when what we know deep down inside ourselves and have been living from is one and the same as the truth that is expressed in and through all that is in those divine qualities. In this world that we've grown up in, in this culture that we live in, we're taught to say, I believe, I believe in this, I believe in that, I believe in the other thing. And as I pointed out, sometimes what we've been taught to say and what we're actually believing in are not exactly the same. <laughs> and so we get these conflicting mixed experiences, right? Emma Hopkins teaches us, I do not believe in a mixture of good and evil. I do not believe that it's possible to have something that appears to be good and something that isn't in the same space and experience. That's an interesting concept, isn't it? Because most of us have been trained to accept the idea that everything's a mix, right? It's a mixture. It's always going to be a mixture. You have to take the bad with the good. But that's not heaven. And that's not the one that is love and wisdom and beauty and joy and harmony and order all present fully here and now. So if I'm getting a mixed experience, hmm, I must have faith in both the what I call good and what I don't call good. <laughs> what is both distressing and delightful. So I get to let go of the beliefs, and that's what I spent time on last time. So you can go look that one up on the video. And then I get to look at this thing called truth. I get to allow myself to experience fully these qualities that are the same as truth. Life, fully present and the only presence here and now. Love, always, in every interaction, 
every moment across space and time. Beauty in everything that I see and hear. That's what is. That is the one that is the only truth. And when I command that truth by stating it, I feel it, yeah? Anyone here feeling some of this? I hope, yeah. And as I feel it, then those other dis dissolving, distressing beliefs actually literally begin to dissipate. And I can feel and see more fully the life, the love, the beauty. Now, some of you may recall about 20 years ago, there was this contest, and a bunch of people wrote books. It was Ted Turner's contest, and James Redfield did not win it with his book, The Celestine Prophecy. But he went ahead and published it anyway, and it became a movie, and it's become a very powerful presence in a lot of people's lives, right? Well, in that book, one of the things that he was teaching people to do was to see the beauty and expand in their awareness that beauty and feel that beauty and that light. Catch the light and feel it expand and press that out into their world. Well, he wrote another book. It was called The Tenth Insight. <laughs> And then he wrote another book, <laughs> The Secret of Shambhala, which is actually the search for the 11th insight. And this poor guy, the narrator, I swear that guy is always struggling. <laughs> he, he, he falls back over and over again. But that's just like it is in the Old Testament. The Hebrew people keep falling back over and over again so they can learn again the truths that are important and necessary for our well-being, for our experience of heaven on earth. So in The Secret of Shambhala, there, he's gotten this you know, mysterious notion, message from the guy that is always leading him into these situations. And the message is he has to show up in Tibet the day after tomorrow. <laughs> Which, of course, raises all kinds of stuff for him. And as most of us, it might. <laughs> and then he gets there, and his friend isn't there. Someone else he doesn't know shows up and starts telling him he needs to change his energy because she, he's showing up in all this fear. And if he's in this fear, he's just going to attract more fearful stuff. We've never heard that message. And as the story unfolds, the character begins, our narrator, begins to realize that he needs to be in that state of feeling the love, feeling and seeing the beauty. And if he can hold that, then everything unfolds in delightful synchronicity. Isn't that interesting? And what he is doing by choosing, those of you who do the Course in Miracles, I could choose peace instead of this. I could choose love instead of this. By choosing to be in that state of feeling that love and seeing that beauty, he begins to experience the world unfolding more and more heavenly. 
and he is able to enter the state of consciousness that Tibetan Buddhists call Shambhala. And he experiences it as a physical location because what happens to us is our experience mirrors our state of consciousness, yes? So if I've got a mixed set of beliefs and understandings and confusions and upsets and beauties and joys, my experience is going to be a mixture. But as I can fill my state of consciousness and let go of these other ideas, I can experience more and more heaven. And that heaven can include all kinds of things, including diversity and equity and all kinds of marvelous things that we have kind of ignored in our culture up to now and we want to embrace. So when I was preparing to do this whole thing on faith and confidence and command and truth, of course, I had to go look up faith on the internet and get some good quotes, right? And, you know, of course, we have the usual one, you know, from, from the New Testament where Jesus said, O ye of little faith, if ye had faith the size of the mustard seed, you could command this mountain to move and it would move. And I read that and I go, well, we have all that faith. Our faith is in the machines that are going to move that mountain. <laughs> we absolutely know we can move that mountain. Just give me a big enough machine, right? <laughs> and enough guys to know how to run them. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? So in that case, we think that we're going to take a material object to make a change in a material object, and that's going to do the job. And that's fine. And life may be more heavenly as a result. But then, oh dear, I've got the pollution, and I've got the equipment left over, and I've got some other stuff. So when I do a material solution toward a heavenly experience, there is always fallout. <laughs> there are always other consequences. It's just a very interesting thing. So one of the things that we are taught is you can't solve a problem at the level of the problem, Einstein. You can't deal with the matter at the level of the matter. Now, the Course in Miracles says the only thing you can change is the mind, and then the matter comes along. Yeah? And the mind can go either in the direction of those beliefs that say it's all about the mixture, or the mind can go in the direction of, ah, more love, more beauty, more joy, and see it and feel it and press it kind of out into the world and acknowledge it and let it flow back in. Now, some of you know I do a fair amount of driving. My car sits in the, in the driveway for two or three days at a time, and then I get in it and I put several hundred miles on it, and then it sits in the driveway, right? Which I think is a marvelous way to live. And I'm, I was aware as I was doing the drive this last time, this is my eighth day on the road, and I was being wonderfully aware. I've gone through the Coast Range, I've gone through the Cascade Range, I've been up on Puget Sound. I have had a glorious week. <laughs> And it's glorious partly because I'm feeling and seeing and taking in and pushing out again the beauty and the harmony and the incredible, incredible order 
of this marvelous planet that we live on. It truly is heaven when we allow it to be that, yeah? Ah, truth is a command. Just being in the truth commands the experience, the appearance, to align itself with the truth. And in order for that to happen, my faith has to be in alignment with the truth. And in order for that to happen, my beliefs have to be in alignment with the faith and the truth. There is a Mormon professor of philosophy at the University of Oxford who graduated from BYU. I love that. <laughs> and he says, our beliefs are things we take to be true based on our logic and experiences. Okay, so the brain has developed this network of experiences and beliefs so that everything that comes in gets filtered through that network. I call it my mental framework. Now, my job is to eliminate some of those <laughs> so I can see the truth, so I can see the beauty, right? So the brain has done that. So our belief system is tied into this receiver transmitter called the brain, which is ideally a means for this infinite spirit mind to be our experience. But it's got this all these beliefs that have come from our logic and previous experiences. So if there was something that happened when we were six months old or six years old, the brain says, okay, that's how the world works. Now we'll make sure that we see the whole universe in terms of that. Fortunately, we do have the capacity to rewire those networks, and that's what Joe Dispenza does, and that's what my last talk was about. And what we begin to discover in that process is that as we feel truth, the brain begins to allow us to experience it, to perceive it with our senses. Initially, we have to go with what are called our inner senses. We have to start with that inner awareness of the presence of the life of the light. And if you do any spiritual practice at all, it's designed to help you get to the place where you can do that. That's what all spiritual practices are. And they're called spiritual practices because for the last 400 years, you weren't allowed to do that anywhere else except in a spiritual context because of the Cartesian split. If you wanted to do science, it was about material, period until matter, energy, and information began to become the whole substance of science. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> matter, energy, and information, well, that's not very material. <laughs> There's a whole lot of other stuff going on here. So then that opened the doorway to reconnect what used to be all one thing called natural philosophy so that now what were assigned to spiritual practices can be normal everyday experiences, the veil is being rent. The veil is getting thinner and thinner and ripping apart so that our normal thought processes and our spiritual practices can be our experience every day. So this guy, his name is Mark Raffel, goes on and he says, faith 
is a different thing entirely. He says, it's commonplace to treat belief and faith as synonyms, but there are important differences. He says, faith involves reliance and trust and endures in the face of doubts. Whereas belief is something that we just take as we are told, or as our logic and experiences led us to believe. So, another wonderful quote that I love on the faith is Alan Watts. Anyone know Alan Watts? Mm -hmm. The Episcopal priest who went to Japan and became a Zen Buddhist. <laughs> and has lots and lots of books and videos and tapes out there. So he says, to have faith is to, have tr is to trust yourself in the water. When you swim, you don't grab hold of the water. <laughs> Instead, you relax and float. You relax and float. When I was in high school, that was one of my jobs, was to teach people who had never been in water how to do that. Yeah, relax and float. So we trust in truth to transform the experience while we relax and float in the one that is, the one mind. And as we do that, then that which we are, the truth that is unfolding and expressing itself in and through each and every one of us, does some interesting things. Ralph Waldo Emerson says, every spirit builds itself a house, and beyond its house a world, and beyond its world a heaven. Know then that the world exists for you. For you is the phenomenon perfect. As fast as you conform your life to the pure idea of your mind, so fast will all disagreeable appearances, and then he lists a bunch, <laughs> vanish. They are temporary and shall no more be seen. And to that, I'm going to say, Amen. <laughs> Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. Our inspirational service is at 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. 
wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.